What's going on, everybody? This is Chris Adams. I'm here with uh, Chan and Korea. We're doing the Beyond the Blind podcast. It was unnamed for quite a long time, but uh, fuck it. We're rolling with Beyond the Blind, and if you don't like it, then fucking listen to something else. What's going on, Channing? What's up, man? What is up, man? We were just talking about, you know, what we were going to name it and do different stuff, and you came up with, I think, what this series of the podcast should be called. What was the name that you came up with? The uh, Quarantine Chronicles. The Quarantine Chronicles. I like it. That's going to be the episode name, man. It's been crazy. Just life in general for everyone, I think, has been affected. And I didn't think it would be this way to start, but it's just, it's wild. I've never experienced anything like this. Yeah, dude, it's uh, it's been super weird. Um, you know, the kids are stuck at home 24-7. My uh, girlfriend works at their school. She's the uh, behavioral therapist at their school, so she's home 24-7. And uh, I'm still going to work because I'm essential, apparently, which means, you know, the employer doesn't want to take the loss and wants us just to keep working. But, uh, yeah, man, it's weird. It, uh... Everything is slow. It's kind of like a ghost town in Springfield. Yeah, I think it's that way everywhere. I mean, it's just... And you don't realize how long it's been, even though each day seems to just kind of drag on. I know me personally, I've taken the time and kind of... Where I thought that I was just going to work way more hours, I've actually gotten into doing some different things as far as call making goes, just kind of getting out of my own comfort zone. And trying to take advantage of just the time well what's crazy is we've had the same me i have the same amount of time as i've always had if anything i've actually got less time with how much the kids are home and running around now so i've got more to wrestle but because you can't really go out and do anything you just have to find things to do at the house and i know it's not just me like i've been getting into checkering here lately which is something that i had only touched a handful of that's twice actually i ruined two calls and put the checker and tools away for probably around a year but right. if you look like on call much right now yep. lots of guys are doing it and it's awesome seeing some of the creativity that's coming out of all of this well dude between like you and uh there's a few others jackson freaking Derek has come a long ways like everybody's checkering game is just blown up here recently and it's like, man, I sit back and I look at everything after I get off, you know, my 12-hour shift. And I'm like, God dang, man, I need to become essential so I can practice this checkering and get into it like everybody else. Because, you know, I've, I've had times where I've wanted to, but I'm like, yeah, I, I just don't have time for that stuff. But, man, seeing how fast people have picked it up and gotten good at it, like, you guys are just putting out ridiculous shit right now. See, and for me, I think it's more... It's getting out of my comfort zone doing something that I haven't tried before. But aside from that, you almost got to be in the right. You got to have the right mindset when you start messing with checkering because it's tedious. And I know the, the guys that are incredible at it. I mean, you got Byers, Waylon, Brusa, and that's just the guys that, I mean, come to mind off the top of my head. Uh, what, hold on one second, brother. What do you What do you have in your hand right now? Uh, piece of trash. Is yeah. That yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All like, right, this I'm dude's eating a down. Snickers bar over there. No, putting on that no, quarantine they, uh, weight. No, they uh, they sent me a new motor for my metal lathe, and I cut those plastic straps off of it. They just been laying on the floor. So now you're fidgeting uh, like a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm a pacer. Like, every time that I've done one of these with you, i got to find something. I'll walk around or I'll start playing with something. I always pour myself a nice tall drink right beforehand, and it just steadies a little bit. Oh, yeah, I got one of those, too. <laughs> um, anyway, but, uh, yeah, you were talking about everybody that's that's picked up the – or Brian Byers and stuff like that, the master of oh, checkering. Yeah, if you look at they, – and they really are. I mean, they're – true craftsmen at what they do and each one of them are great guys and I've picked their brains multiple times every single guy that I mentioned and they can I'm sure checker a call 
start to finish in a 32nd of the time that it takes me to do one because I've done very few of them. So I'm not anywhere in the realm of being able to even call myself good at it. Right now, I'm still just excited if I get a straight line laid out. But uh, it's cool seeing, like we were talking about Derek. Derek and I talk quite a bit. And since he's been messing with different stuff with checkering, we're messaging each other almost all day just with different stuff we're trying because he's kind of where I'm at with it skill set wise. Yeah, so, it seems you guys both, you know, got into it right about the same time. Well, and you've had other guys too that have jumped in and started playing with it. Will Shelley had done one that was actually really cool. We did a raise panel on his own call shape. Yeah, he said he hated it like a couple months ago, and now he's doing it again. And it's just one of those things. It, it, the cool thing with it is you can sit on the couch and do it, and while you can't leave your house and you get tired of watching movies and there's no sports on, it's actually a good time to pick up checkering tools and tear up wood. Bro, this, not to get away from call making, and we got the first bro of the day, um, but... This whole no sports thing. Did you see that dipshit? I about used some offensive language myself, but that dipshit that um, is a NASCAR driver that got fired for his electronic race, and I guess he was saying some racist shit or something like that? Are you serious? No, I didn't even Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on ESPN this last week. They're, you know how all these athletes, they're doing electronic games and stuff like that and simulations because we have no sports right now, which sucks. But uh, they were doing this. Playing Madden on ESPN the other day. Yeah, well, they they were doing a NASCAR race with all the drivers, and they were all logging on online and doing it. And I guess this dude was using racist commentary while he was playing, and he ended up losing all of his sponsors. And he's not going to have a team to go back to when uh, we come out of quarantine. Uh, See, and I had somebody tell me the other day because I was talking to them about how life without sports is just god awful and like i've resorted to i watched a college football game on espn from start to finish the other day and peyton manning was a quarterback for tennessee like it 1997 98 yeah it looked like it was recorded on a polaroid it's crazy man even going back and watching like stuff from 2010 you're like what is this this low definition Oh, yeah, it's awful. And so I was, you know, I just watch whatever's on. A lot of it's background noise with the TV because when I'm doing something like checkering, I'll turn on ESPN. But I was watching darts, and there was some, one of my buddies had said that he had watched an entire virtual NASCAR race, and I, had, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know how they did it or that it had gotten basically completely annihilated with it. Bro, it's, you can't write poetry like that. Well, it's all these uh, all these kids that parents are like, get off of your butts and go outside. You know, that's what we all heard growing up in our generation. And now it's these... Yeah, but back then it was get off the Super Nintendo. Exactly. And now all these 18, 16-year-olds are freaking millionaires playing video games for a living. Now after this quarantine chronicles, it's going to be even worse. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing, like, I'm big on not letting my kids be in front of a screen too much. So it's a catch-22. Part of it, they've been outside and doing things a lot more, like just going for random walks. And it's crazy how many more people you see out being active right now. It's very, very strange. Yeah, at the end of the day, you got to find something to occupy them. They can't be outside 24-7. And so that's the thing, like, my daughter... Oh, we went somewhere. She was like, did you know a famous YouTuber lives here? I was like, what? It's <laughs> like, yeah, it's a famous YouTuber. I was like, that's a thing? Oh, yeah. And and now I feel like the old guy. Like, I used to be the kid explaining stuff to my parents. And now I feel like that person. I was like, what is he famous for? So I guess he lives in the woodlands, which is right next to me. She's like, yeah, he does a funny youtube videos so then we got home and she's like showing me the youtube videos and it's just a guy that's doing stupid stuff in an empty warehouse that's apparently he's famous and a millionaire for doing it i was like man if we had youtube when i was a kid we'd probably all gotten in trouble but i did way stupider stuff than this yeah when i was a teenager my goal was to be on jackass that's what i wanted to do 
But uh, yeah, yeah man, my there's kids. There's a video somewhere of uh, me and some of my idiot friends doing jackass stuff on a like a VHS recorded camcorder. Jesus, VHS, you are old. Uh, I'm 33. I'm 31, so I'm not that much different. But geez. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like the mini VHS. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, we had that in high school. My mom used to record my wrestling matches on those little things. Yeah, see, I was like 14, 15 then. So, uh... I don't even know if they have those anymore. No, and you couldn't find anything to play it if they did. I was, uh, there was a Facebook thing the other day that was a bunch of old stuff from, like, our generation and, like, phones and Discmans and stuff. And I was showing, you know, I have a 7, 6, and a 5-year-old. And they're, uh, I was like, what do you think this is? And just hearing some of their answers, it was fucking hilarious. Um, one of them was an overhead projector, and my daughter was like, uh, a CD player. And I was like, no, baby, you don't even know what a CD is. And she was like, um, um, a radio. I was like, no. <laughs> it's an overhead projector, you know? That was the thing we used all the way up until high school, almost. Oh, yeah, we had them in my high school. I'd Got in a whole bunch of trouble for putting a paper ball inside one of them once, and when it turned on, it paper ball will catch on fire in like four seconds. That's awesome. I never did that. But uh, yeah, I was uh, I was not always the smartest child as a teenager. Yeah, the statute limitation statute of limitations has run out, so most of that stuff you're not gonna get in trouble for. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> My kids have been watching this. Uh, this channel, it's like unspeakable, is the name of the channel. That's all I've been watching. All every time I come home, that's what they all three have on. And uh, girlfriend's like, yeah, they've been watching this guy on and off all day long. And I was like, this guy has to have a bunch of money, or my kids just like it. This dude's worth like freaking fifteen million dollars, and that's his job is to like fill his house full of freaking balls and jump off his stairs into it. I'm like, I think that's the same guy. Really? My daughter was telling me about I think, yeah. So I saw the same thing. And then he was like, I don't know, he put orange juice in a water purifier and it came out clear or something. Yeah. And then I even found myself. He uh, he bought one of those, like, plastic balls that you get inside. And, like, you can run down the hill and stuff in them. The inflatable ball things. Uh-huh. And he put his freaking big, uh, what are those gas-powered, like, little RC trucks, but, like, the nice ones, like the $1,000 ones. You know what I'm talking about? The big, huge RC trucks? Yeah, yeah, he put, yeah. He put one of those in that thing, and he had it in his backyard, and he, like, floored it, and it actually made this thing fly, like, pick up and float, because it was going around the ball so many times it was creating lift. And then, before I knew it, I had watched this fucking 18-minute video that I was just making fun of the kids for watching all day long, and I'm like, okay, I get it now. So, yeah, apparently that guy lives, like, 10 minutes down the road from me somewhere. He is fucking loaded. Yeah, and that's what my daughter was saying. She was telling me there's an eight-year-old kid that's famous and rich that opens presents on uh, YouTube. The, the biggest, um, the richest YouTuber in the world is one of those those toy opener things. And it's like, a, yeah, it's like an eight-year-old. And it's, he does it, his mom records it or some nonsense, and it's the richest YouTuber in the world. And I feel like See, an idiot when I'm sweating at work. To me. Exactly. And, and that's a generation difference now, like... My daughter will sit and watch a, a YouTube video of somebody else playing a video game. Yes, yes. Or when my kids were smaller in like three or four, they'd watch these, uh, they'd steal my phone and I'd find them and they'd be in their room like under their covers, both watching somebody opening these toys. And it's like be a surprise thing. And they'd crack this toy open. They'd be like, oh, I got this one. It's a one out of every 200 people get this one. It's a rare and I'm like, that is so fucking dumb. And then I'm watching it, and I'm like, I wonder what they're, what's the next one. Hold on. Oh, shit, they got that one? And then five minutes yeah, later, you watch this. Yeah, you watch this video. <laughs> and it's like, I can't believe how addicting that stuff is. It's crazy, man. It really is. Just the, And that's the stuff that I try. I, got, I told my daughter the other day. Shit, it was uh, yesterday, whenever we were trying to do this yesterday, and I spent half the day ruining a TV stand. But uh, I was telling her that I had a podcast to do, and she thinks that I'm famous now because I'm on a podcast. Well, that, like, what? that's because you are famous now. 
Yeah, that's a valid point. You are famous now. The first and only goose call you had built up to that point became the world champion goose call. Let's talk about that a little bit because we haven't talked since that happened. And uh, that's the equivalent of that eight-year-old kid getting rich from opening a present off of her first off their first present. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've literally, I, call, I I told Rusty, I was like, you make goose flukes, I make goose flukes, because that is exactly what that was. Dude, that was the, it's, I remember watching the results come out, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. He won the category, I was like, that is so damn funny, and then it just kept getting bigger, and then it was like, oh, one call maker of the year <laughs> like i could do nothing but just laugh because i know how quality your duck calls are duck calls are fucking great but the fact that you made one goose call called it a goddamn canadian goose instead of a well, canada to be goose fair, you don't know where he was born that's he had his green card exactly a <laughs> but uh yeah dude that was that was amazing and it was it See, was very entertaining to watch I was dying laughing because I didn't even know it won. Uh, Domingo sent me a message and he was like, hey, you found something you're good at. I was like, what are you talking about? And he sent me a screenshot saying that I've won the category. And I was like completely just dumbfounded because the story of how that call ended up at the box is actually kind of funny too. But I'll get into that in a minute. So he sent me that. He's like, guess you need to make more. And I was like, I couldn't tell you what I did to that one. Like, I had to get on YouTube to see how to put air into a goose ball. Like, I was literally watching YouTube videos to see how to put air into a goose call. I could break it over, but I had even put up a sound file of how terrible I am on a goose call. So we don't have them here. We have specs and snows. That's it. Hey, you can get some cacklers here and there. And you got some geniuses that live down here that think that those are canada geese that shrank during migration no yes i've had this conversation with somebody. oh my dear like, god it's like that's not how that works they, they do not shrink uh, but even those sound different and you don't see many of those around here so i know up towards like panhandle of texas they shoot some big geese but i don't even hunt geese down here i don't hunt specks i don't hunt snows if they fly into the decoys i'll shoot one but that's not ever what I go after. So I'm completely flying blind with all this. The only reason I made the call is because of Rusty's challenge. And I know if I didn't make one, I would never hear the end of it. So what was the what was the challenge? We had to make a cocoa goose and duck call and enter them into the working divisions. And he did it like a golf score. So the lowest score won. Um... So, like, my goose call took first place. So I got one point for that. Where if it would have taken, you know, 19th place, I'd have had 19 points for the goose call. So it was me, uh, Mike Meredith, Will Shelley, Brad, uh, Rusty, and Mingo. And out of all those people, Rusty is the only one who makes goose, who calls. Makes goose calls. It makes so, like world level, world champion level goose calls. The best part of all of it, and I love Rusty to death because Rusty just does not care and says whatever kind of crazy, stupid things may go in your head, they go straight out Rusty's mouth. And that's what I love about him because he's always honest. You may not want to hear what he's saying, but he's not going to beat around the bush with you. And he jokes around a lot too. And I think some people take it the wrong way and think he's being serious. But um, the best part of the entire thing was what Rusty had put in the description for his duck call. He named it the trash can duck call. And in the description, it said something like, uh, once you blow this duck call, you'll throw all your other ones in the trash. <laughs> and I was just rolling because that's Rusty. Right. And, uh, so when I was making the goose call, I was down to like the final hour to get all of my calls in the mail to get them to Mark Warmath on time. And I had ruined like three barrels trying to make this goose call because my duck calls are very thin. My bands are an inch and a quarter 
or inch and eighth outside diameter. I'm used to doing a real deep lanyard groove in my calls and then being slim. Well, with a seven eighths bore through it, you can't do that. And I burned through three or four different pieces of cocoa. I ran out of bands. I ended up having to run to Home Depot and get a piece of copper and cut it to make the band for this call. And I was about to just send my duck calls off because I didn't think I was going to have enough time to get them done. And I had some of Mike's guts. And so I was so clueless with how goose calls work. I got the, I talked to Kevin Fiedler too. And he said he was going to send me a gut. Well, what I thought was a gut, he sent me a O-ring adapter for the guts to go in. The guts, sir. Yeah, so I sent him a picture of it, and I was like, hey, I don't know anything about these, but I'm pretty sure that you can't just put this in the call and make it sound like a goose. And he was dying laughing. He was like, no, you need the guts. He's like, what I sent you is to go in. So Mike, I talked to Mike, and he, like, rushed shipped me some guts. I didn't even know if they were going to get there in time. They got there the day before. So I randomly just bored different lengths into this barrel once I finally got one that I didn't destroy and uh, I would take it off and stick the insert in and blow it and see if I could break it over and I think part of it may have helped me that I was so bad at blowing a goose call because it had to be incredibly easy to break over for me to be able to do it and uh, I honked it like three or four times and stuck it together and said here goes last place and threw it in the box I didn't even like polish the finish like I do my duck calls because I thought for sure that thing was going to get last place that's fucking hilarious yeah and then the next thing I know I got a message from Mingo saying I didn't even know that I had won first place in the division and I was like holy hell and uh, so then like I don't know, it was probably an hour or two later. Uh, Buddy Stippich messaged me and said, congrats. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And he sent me his thing because Buddy had taken second place overall, I guess. And then it was Hammer Travis Ward that had messaged me and told me that I got Grand National Champion. And I had no clue. Like, I wasn't even keeping up with the placing on it. So it was just like a whirlwind of... Is this reality? <laughs> yeah, and that's I'm still convinced that it was Rusty's karma was the only reason that because I literally would stick the barrel back on my mandrel and just run different size Forstner bits into it until I hit the mandrel. Like that was how I decided it was time to stop, <laughs> and then I would blow it and see if it honked. And well, the I fact that you were able to get the guts set up right tuning a goose call is not like tuning a duck call you can no, have a freaking nightmare you can take a freaking cs call and take it apart which is all stelzner's stuff for people who don't know which is what you had with stelzner's guts you can take that apart and not put it back together correctly and have it not even make a sound if you don't know how to reassemble a motherfucker <laughs> Like See, I said, you, I, you've never done if it. If I didn't make duck calls, I never could have made the goose call. Because I understand back pressure. I understand things like that. And I understand how to use my diaphragm to blow hot air. But as far as tuning on or even knowing what it's supposed to sound like, I was completely lost. Oh, so, bro. For years, I've had people ask me, why don't you make goose calls? I'm like, I'm still doing the duck call, like, perfection. Like, I have no interest in making a goose call. Because it is. It's so difficult, unless you're Chan in Korea, to find the right combination. See, for me, it was just dumb luck. Like, it was complete dumb luck. There was nothing. And I was very open about that from the start. Because I was telling somebody else, like, I did not... The only reason that I even got on there, like on Call Nuts, and was saying anything after I won was to give Rusty shit because oh, yeah. he deserved it. But a lot of there's actually been people that think me and Rusty just like hate each other because the way we go back and forth. And Rusty and I are good friends. We talk all the time. He's a great guy. It's just funny because you see the stuff that we say to one another and you think that 
he's upset about it. But what I did is the equivalent, I was telling somebody else, like, I'll, I've got mixed feelings with it because there's guys like Rusty that make predominantly goose calls or only goose calls that have put the same amount of time and effort into what I have with a duck call to get it there. So me not knowing what the hell I'm doing, it'd be like if somebody got a public jig to make duck calls and had no idea how to blow a duck call, had never hunted ducks, did some random sanding on the board and blind drilled the tone channel and then beat everybody. It yeah. would be it, It'd be like a dude who'd never played golf before going out on the PGA Tour and hitting a hole-in-one on every hole and winning the damn event. See, and that's why it was hard for me to grasp because I didn't even understand how many goose calls had got entered or how that side of it worked. And I wouldn't take – I still won't take custom orders for goose calls because, I, one, I couldn't even replicate that thing. It went for an un fathomable amount at the auction and I got lucky that one of my customers was the one who won it and he sent it back to me to where I could measure the boards because I didn't even know I didn't write anything down I couldn't even tell you how long the outside of the call was or where I put that gut in at or what dimensions I bored to or what bits I even used well and I know that you and I had talked quite a bit and I told you you needed to start making them and you, uh, you were pretty adamant that you had no interest, and it was a one of one. And I was like, you'd be foolish not to, not to figure it out and do it, because so, it obviously is good. Well, and I've still got so I got the call back and was able to measure it. That's the only reason there's been another one made. Um, so once I got the the boards and the dimensions and everything else, I did. I sent it to do a CNC line. I don't have CNC duck calls but with the goose calls clearly whoever was blowing it judge wise whatever I had done luck or not ended up being a good call now I personally can't do what they could do with that call but in the right hands I imagine it's a good call so that was why I had done a CNC on them because then it's exact to the one that won other than tuning which I even took the guts with that call and mark the read and the gut cert so I knew where it needs to fall in there. So I could get it as close every single time with that. Um, but I'm also, I don't feel right taking custom goose call orders because I've been very open with the fact that I don't know what I'm doing as far as running a goose call or goose hunting. And there's I just think it's disrespectful to the guys that have spent all the time honing their craft to do that. So I've only made six customs. I have been doing more of them, but the other piece of that is I've been working on learning how to blow a goose call to where I'm starting to get confident with it. And eventually, if I get to that point, I'll probably end up making my own gut one way or another. But it's one of those things. And I'll feel a lot better about doing more of them if I'm confident enough and blowing it to where I feel like I know what I'm doing with creating it or making my own gut. Yeah. That's the whole thing with me. I know it with goose calls is different. There's a lot of people that use Mike's guts. There's a lot of people that use old cluckers. So with me being from the duck call world, that's a huge no, no to use somebody else's tone board. But with goose calls, it's a different world. And then the boars and everything else, which I get part of that too, because if, like, say you stuff the barrel with the echo insert, if you open the bore up on the back of that insert and you use different lengths with the barrels, it's going to make that call react and sound different. But with goose calls, it's a different world. So that's the other piece of it too. I've, I've got to feel confident enough in my skill set to where I feel like it's okay for me to start making those calls and not be offensive to everybody that's put in all those hours honing their craft to jump right into their arena, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, man. It's uh, the goose call. There's just so many working parts of it. There's just there's just so much more 
than a duck call and it takes years and years you know a goose call is so much harder to blow than a freaking duck call especially at a really really high level i think breaking it over is like figuring out how to blow a goose call is easier you know there's you just manipulate the one note over and over and you do different things to manipulate that i guess it's similar in duck calling but uh to be good on a goose call versus to get good on a duck call i think is a whole different realm see and with me even with tuning goose calls and then tuning duck calls i'm gonna like stop like i'll practice in the evening on goose calling and then i'm gonna stop and go back to a duck call for a little bit before i start tuning them because it's it's different um one of the big things that i struggle with i don't use voice when i run a duck call i know that's some people do some don't i just i'm use hot air yeah, and that's very little that's the voice. correct way of doing it is just using that hot air. You can add voice to change pitches and tones and make it more raspy, less raspy, manipulating your voice. But yeah, that clean hot air is the right way to do it. So, and like with my duck calls, my duck call has a lot of built-in rasp in the board. So if you use a lot of voice, it's going to be a difficult call for you to adjust it. Now with duck calls, I can pick up a different duck call and play with it for a minute. And I could use that to go hunting with, which I'm sure is the same with goose calls. But for me, my biggest struggle was using a lot more voice in a goose call, especially if you want that growl sound. And then how hard you're slamming your tongue up on the roof of your mouth to pop that note Mm -hmm. is different. So if you slam your tongue that hard when you're blowing a duck call, it's going to be real choppy. It, you can't just keep your tongue closer to the roof of your mouth to make a higher pitch sound like you do with a, like with a duck call. If you're doing like a Cajun squeal or something like that, mm-hmm. you lift your tongue up and you're restricting the air and making it faster. But with a goose call, when you break that note over, and that's one of the things Rusty's actually helped me a whole lot. We've had, video chats at night where he's been helping me with my calling and my calling is still terrible but it's a lot better than where it was even you know just a couple of months ago oh yeah you're you're probably to the point you could go out and kill geese with it at this point well and i feel like if i'm going to even sell cnc calls tuning them i need to be able to know one how they're supposed to sound and then how to manipulate it exactly yeah yeah exactly and so he's showed me some different things with tuning them too and it's just a it's a rabbit hole like anything else to where i don't have them anywhere near me but here i am in my shop you know at nine o'clock at night just hammering down on a goose call well and the cool thing with with it is is with your cnc setup you're starting you have your cnc setup and then you have stelsner's guts you have a clean platform it's like starting with a call that has a good uh, starting with a duck call that has a good tone board you know it has a good tone board it's a perfect call say you're just grabbing an rnt off the shelf you know something that everybody's used it's perfect but the reed's fucked and it's cut jacked up at least you're starting with a clean platform that you know that you can change the reed and learn how to tune it it's not like hey i'm blowing this and i can't get it to make the honk that i want but I know my, like, I don't need to drill out the barrel anymore or the, you know, change any of the back pressure because I know it's good. It's already been proven that that's good. It's that I have to work with the guts and the reed, you know, eliminating the process. See, and that's what one of my biggest fears was with making another one was just that. If I go to tune this thing, I could tune it completely different to where it sounds nothing like that. And I wouldn't know if it sounded good or bad. Yeah. So that's yeah, where exactly. I feel like I've got to do my due diligence and learning how to run that call properly before I'm confident enough to, you know, sell more of them that are custom made. And even with the one that won, after Rusty's helped me, I've gotten better at tuning them to where they actually sound better than the one that won at NWTF with doing some different things with the read. So now it's become more fun for me. Yeah, it's a but, figure, it's a new puzzle to figure out. It is, but it's so hard to shift gears when you're doing duck calls and then move over to a goose call. 
and then just tune them. I've got to separate that time, and that's it's just one of those things. There's always something that like I told myself that this year I'm going to start diving into the decorative stuff more, and I've done quite a bit of that here recently. And it's it's just one of those things. It's like figuring out how to learn a bike, ride a bike without training wheels. It, you've got to fall down to get any better at it. You're not going to just pick it up and take off. Well, yeah, and you can't be scared to make some firewood. Exactly. And so that's, I have people tell me all the time, because like even with these checkered calls, if you look at the one that I'm doing right now, that's my first raised panel I've ever tried. Yeah, and that's a it, super complex build to start as a raised, your first raised panel. <laughs> see, and everybody always tells me that because whenever I'm trying to do checkering, carving, scrimshaw, wood burning, whatever it is, what I know about myself is if I just go grab a piece of hedge and I don't put a band on it and I spend a real basic call and I'm just trying to practice on it, my effort and my care when I'm doing it is in the back of my head, I know that call is, even if it turns out good, it's just going to get thrown in a drawer in a trash can. So I don't really have a whole lot of skin in the game to pay attention to the level I feel like I need to. But if I spend three hours making that barrel and I do inlays and I do all this other stuff and I want this to be a call that turns out awesome, my attention when I'm doing each and every line is 10 times what it would be if it was just a piece of hedge. That makes sense. So it's forcing me to be more mindful with everything I'm doing and not rush it. And that actually helps me get better much more than if I know it's a practice piece and it's okay if I screw up. Because if I know that I'm not supposed to screw up, it makes me, my hand is a whole lot steadier and I'm going a whole (laughs) lot slower. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense. And that's just me. I mean, different people do things differently. I am as ADHD as you can be. So as soon as I start to lose interest in something, I'll either toss it to the side or I'll rush through it to try and get it done. Where when it's something like that, where that raise panel call, I'm hoping turns out the way I picture it in my head because of how much time I've got invested in it. But not just that, it will be a very nice call if it turns out. Well, you sent me a picture right before we started. It freaking is on point so far. And it's one of those things, it it stresses me out more doing it that way versus a a practice piece. But the first two calls that I tried to checker were practice pieces. And when I screwed up even a little bit, I just, it it looked like I just scribbled on it with checkering tools because I just didn't care. So that was when I found out I've got to have more skin in the game, even if it's practice. Like, I'm not building that call for anybody. I'm doing it to try and... Add to the collection. Well, and I don't have any of my own calls. I was telling somebody that the other day. Uh, Kevin DePeel and I were talking about it. I, I have none of my own calls. Every time I've made, like, the ones I hunt are ones that I screw up. No, no, no. I'm talking about um, you were showing me your half-finished decorative collection that you had going on. You know, like the one that you had set up for a scrimshaw project. Like that collection. It's like a project. Oh, yeah. It's not like, a, hey, I put this on my mantle. It's like the project set up. See, and I've still got that scrimshaw one just sitting on that same shelf. And that's where the other thing I'm forcing my hand to not get them to a certain point because it was like I was getting real good at building barrels and or building calls to give to somebody else that had a better skill set because the calls themselves would look incredible the way that I had pictured it in my head and built the you know the, the barrel and insert out. But that's where I had to say, you know, you got to jump off the edge of that cliff to get any better at it. It, And it's scary to spend that much time making a call that you may destroy immediately. Well, I think that's the the crazy thing with this uh, Corona Chronicle is, or Concentration Chronicle, whatever the hell we are calling it, um, is how... Quarantine Chronicles. Quarantine Chronicles, patented. Shannon Korea, TM. Um, but <laughs> how much with, I don't know how many people are working, not working, you know, all the call makers and stuff like that. I know you're full time, but uh, 
man, everybody's game has just it seems like in the last two months months a lot of people are just really stepping it up and taking that next step. And uh where it's almost like the decorative if if your call doesn't have checkering nowadays, it's almost like, you know, hey, your call's not done yet. Well, it, I wouldn't go that far, but yes, it's so the best thing about all of this, regardless of how we got there with it being the quarantine and everything else, is typically that's what pushes other call makers to push those boundaries. And like Derek's call that he's been working on is a freaking killer. That raised panel checker call he's been mm-hmm. building. And I can't think of who else. I saw somebody else had got their checker and cradle out. And then you got other guys like um, Richard Patterson. He's been doing the heck stuff out of them. He, or he's been yeah, carving he's been the doing heck it out of them. for a while. The carving side, yeah. I think he just did his first race panel. But it was phenomenal for his first one. And that guy's got tons of talent, too. If you look at how much he's improved just over, you know, just since I've been looking at his calls for the last year, he can carve like crazy. So you got even guys that are typically carving, jumping on checkering to try it, or you got guys that are working on carvings. You got guys doing things like inlays and caps. You got some guys that just jumped into call making. Oh, yeah. All this. Um, and then you got other guys that are just working on improving things like their finish during all this. So whether it's your sound, your finish, making a call to start with, I think everybody's kind of getting outside the box right now. And it's awesome for what we do to see all of it happening. I mean, cause it's happening quick. You see it posted all over. And that's the beauty of social media is you've got an audience to put it in front of. Well, that, and you have, um, you know, like back in the day, there was no way you would have had to jump on a forums and upload your photo to Photo Bucket and then attach the image to the forum. Like nowadays, you can post a picture and ask a question. You can have the best people in the world at doing it, giving you advice within minutes. See, I've got, I've got probably, I, don't, I usually get three or four messages probably every week or two with people who are just starting to make their own tone boards that are having issues, and they'll send me. You know, I can't get this out of the call. Could you help me with what's going on? And I always try and help everybody because when I first started making calls, there's not a whole lot of people that will share anything with you when it comes to coming up with your tone board, which part of me, I get you got to put that time and the effort in. But if you're struggling with the very basics and the guy sends you pictures and his tone channel is all the way through the end of his damn tone board. (laughs) Yeah. Stuff like that that just that you that's don't a know. rough I mean, game. I mean, and I've been there. I know I've been there. I've tried shoving wood putty into a call because I drilled through the end of it, just trying to figure out how to make it quack in the very beginning. And there was guys that helped me tremendously that immediately made my calls better, and that meant the world to me at that time, whether they knew it or not. And I've always said that you know I'll help anybody I can that's putting in the work. Trying to get better. And that's the other piece. You got some guys that want you to damn near tell them where to stand and give them dimensions to make a tone board, which you can't do that either. But if you're out there making firewood and you're ruining doubts and you're trying and you're struggling, I'll absolutely help you. And the same thing with finishing. Like I've had, I've been on FaceTime videos probably two or three times just during this quarantine thing where I've had other call makers message me asking me about my CA finish. And I'll tell them, hey, the next time I do one, if you're free, I'll jump on FaceTime with you and you can watch exactly what I do and I'll explain to you why I do what I do and see if it helps you. And, uh, like, i just done one with Brad Eldridge. And Brad has taken off, which I know he's using a flat jig on every call just like you are because I sent him one of my old flat jigs. Yeah, he's but a... Brand- He's definitely been really busy this last couple months, too. Well, and he was methodical with coming up with things like how he wanted his call to look and those elements before making it and then buying all the tools. So he did it the right way. And Brad's been around the call community long enough. He knows some of the do's and don'ts. And I was 
thoroughly shocked at how quick he's picked it up. And his calls sound great, too. I've heard them on sound files. So he kind of had an upper hand as far as knowing what he was looking for out of the call and some ideas in his head that he had put the paper. But being able to take something that's in your head and turn it into a working call takes some skill that not everybody has. Oh, yeah. And uh, I did the same thing with him on doing a finish. And there's certain things that he's very green at, which you'd expect at that time. But I think Brad's going to be a hell of a call maker just doing what he's doing now. I mean, I give you tons of credit. I think you're crazy, but I give you tons of credit for making every call off of a freaking flat jig. Well, you know, I'm waiting for some dowels that somebody said they were supposed to be turning down for me so I can get that jig made. But uh, here we are in quarantine. The good news is... I got the uh, new motor for my brand new lathe that showed up broken. So now I've just got to uh, change it out, which I'm sure is going to be fun too. Yeah, that sounds like a freaking nightmare, man. I uh, Being colorblind, aren't you colorblind too? No, I'm not colorblind. Oh, hell, I'm colorblind. And uh, electronics and colorblind do not mix. Yeah, no, I worked for the phone company for a long time, so all the wires that make internet and telephone all that stuff they they run off of color codes and that was one of the things we actually had to test for because you had to know the color codes and know what you were putting together oh yeah i found out when i was going into the navy (laughs) they're like uh yeah you're colorblind i'm like no i'm not they're like oh yeah yeah you are here see this circle with dots in it nope Mm mm-hmm yep yeah so we did a similar test with our uh would-be higher arms because that's one of those things i mean it, it, it sucks because it can be disabling to some, but you can't not be able to see colors and have to go open up, you know, 2,000 uh, wires. There. Yeah, you'll die. <laughs> yeah, they have to be matched up by color. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be in real big trouble. Yeah, or you're going to cost somebody a lot of money or your life. Yeah, it's going to be a bad uh, deal. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's been a wild couple of months, though. I mean, just... Because we hadn't talked since before NWTF, I don't think. Not no. Us, anyhow. Well, we had that one that was a really, really good podcast that uh, I closed the app and we lost an hour. The longest podcast we ever did. It was an hour and a half. And I think we had been on the phone with each other for like two and a half hours and uh, somehow lost it. <laughs> and that was like the last time. I can't even remember anything we had talked about on that one either. Oh, I know. It was just a bunch of rambling. The season was still going on or just finishing up. Um, but I'll tell you what has happened since then. Tell me you watched The Tiger King. <laughs> that train wreck of a show will ruin you. That yes, was the I greatest the greatest shit I've ever watched. Well, not ever, but in a long... The greatest true story that I've watched in and, a long time. And that's time. the thing. These people are real. <laughs> well, you know it's this bad when the felon janitor that has no legs is the most normal person on the show. <laughs> that So I kept seeing posts on social media about it. And I was like, what is this? So I turned it on. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And then like two hours later, I was almost done with half of the first or the only season. I think there was two. No, there's only one season of The Tiger King. It's like seven episodes. I end up binge watching. I finished the whole thing in two days. Yeah, see, that's how uh, that's how mine. I found out about it on like a Wednesday, and I was like, oh, I was listening to Rogan. I was like, I want to watch this. I had to work Thursday and Friday, and I worked like thirteen hours and fourteen hours, and then I come home late on Friday night, tired as hell, and I'm gonna tell a girlfriend about this awesome new series that we should check out, and. She's watching something. I was like, what are you watching right now? And she's like, oh, this crazy series. It's called Tiger King. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And she was like, no, why, what? I was like, what episode are you on? She's like, oh, I'm on six. There's only one left. I was like, I just found out about it and wanted to watch it this weekend. She's like, well, you should have said something. I was like, I didn't figure you'd binge watch the whole thing in two days. See, you don't have a choice. Like, once you get far enough in, you're just stuck. And the whole thing with me was, I was like, you couldn't convince me this was real life unless I knew it was a documentary. Like, these are real people out there. Oh, bro. If you've never been to Oklahoma or Missouri, you would understand. It's real life. Oh, I've got family in Oklahoma. <laughs> it's, it's definitely real life. 
I haven't been since I was like 13 years old. But that's what I was telling somebody. I was like, you could take everybody on that show's teeth out of their mouth and not make a full set. I love how the one dude who's the hired assassin was in the bathtub the whole time. Yeah, who does that? Who gets in the it's, bathtub? It's fucking great. And uh, I was listening to Big Honker podcast, and they had last week, they had the tattoo artist that did all of their tattoos, like the property of Joe Exotic. He did all of that. And he oh said, those, he's like, the TV show was only half of it. Apparently, the dude with no teeth who was shirtless during the whole show wore like a WWF title belt everywhere that he went. And the tattoo artist was like, I'm surprised they didn't show that. He wore that motherfucker everywhere and always had it over his shoulder like he was in the goddamn WWF. When they did his husband that killed himself's funeral, I fell out. I could not control myself anymore. When he, between the singing and then talking about and putting his balls on his forehead and everything, (laughs) while the guy's mom is sitting right there in the front, Oh, my God. It's a train wreck you can't turn away from. Oh, my. Dude, it was great. And then I get done with that, and I see this other one that's Don't Fuck With Cats. And I was like, that's... I started that crazy. Holy... I binge-watched that. Holy shit. That is crazier. Yeah, I think I'm, like, probably six episodes in. And that think, was months ago. I haven't turned no, it back on. No, no, no. That one, I think there's only three episodes of that one. It's like a... Uh, maybe they're really long. Do you know what it's about? Yeah, the the guy that had put those cats in the that uh, airbag. Well, and they're trying to find him. Yeah, do you know what he ends up being? Uh-uh. They uncover a fucking serial killer. Are you kidding me? Dude, go and finish binge-watching that. Put it on Netflix while you're working on calls later on. They track this dude down, and that dude starts sending pictures to the people that are trying to track him down of their like where they work at and like their house and stuff. The dude's a serial killer from Canada. See, I know they thought he was like a model or something. The dude wanted to be a model. That dude, yeah, he was a straight-up serial killer. It was, yeah, it's good shit. Wow. Yeah, it got a lot crazier. I was like, oh, this is cats. This is going to be dumb. And I watched it, and I was like, eh. And at the very end, they show that picture of that lady's work that the dude sent her of, like, where she works at. And I was like, oh, this dude knows where she lives and where she works at. That's not good. Wow, yeah, I didn't know we got that crazy. I might have to go and turn that one back on then. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. It was it's pretty good. Um but yeah, man, it's uh, it's the Corona times, man. Netflix is making so much money right now; it's unbelievable. Um, the the girlfriend, her, all of her meetings for work and stuff are through this company called Zoom. And I guess that's oh, like I know all about Zoom. Everybody knows kids. all about Zoom, dude. Their CEOs have to be laughing their ass off right now. Oh, it's crazy too, because some of the like you got some where the rich got richer, which. Amazon has been the go-to for shopping for a long time, but now, I mean, they're providing groceries or exactly. So not that, you know, Amazon needed more money out of this whole ordeal, but it's, it's a catch 22 because at the same time, especially with me being a small business, like I was pretty concerned at first. I was concerned more so on the fact that it could affect me with people not having money to buy my Exactly, because a duck call is not something that... Necessity, yeah. Right, so if you're having to pinch pennies, and even if you're just concerned, all of a sudden something that's a luxury and not a necessity is out the window. So I was kind of, you know, leery in the beginning, but really, if anything, I've gotten busier since this has happened because so many people that or working from home or what have you, they can't go do anything right now. So a lot of them are on Facebook looking at calls and they're adding to their collection, which typically happens around off season anyway. That's normally the busier time for us. Um, but I, I know me personally, I haven't noticed any dip in and that and I'm backlogged as it is. I think I've had two or three people where their names come up and they asked me if I could push them back. And they got the stimulus checks, bro. 
that's the other piece of it too. But I, I've told everybody, you know, it don't feel like if you don't buy this call from me right now that that's it. I'm going to pass you up. I completely understand with everything oh, that's yeah, going on. Dude. Everybody's been so tough, and uh, you know, man, I, it's it's been good because I've seen a lot of people that you were talking about it earlier. How everybody's been out, and I I mentioned that a couple weeks ago because. It was like every day when we were in the 80s here, which is way, way, way above normal. Right now, I think it's 50s, which is pretty nice. But uh, everybody's out at the park. The neighbors, we walk around the neighborhood, you know, like once a day, once a night, twice a day sometimes. All the neighbors are out. Kids are out riding bikes and playing. Everybody's waving at each other and talking. I'm like, man, it's it hasn't been like this since I was a kid. Like, this is, this is weird. Most of the time, people just... You know, open up their garage door, pull in, shut that thing behind them. But uh, See, and that's the, the community that is coming together. Exactly. And I hope that we don't go revert right back to digital first with everything. Because, like, even with my kids, the reason I try and limit how much time they interact on the phones is it, I'm more concerned that they're not going to know how to communicate face-to-face with somebody. You lose, and I'm guilty of it, like, if somebody calls me and it's something that I deem at that moment not important, I'm like, why didn't you just text me? <laughs> right. If you call me and there's a good chance I'm going to ignore it and text back five minutes later saying, hey, what's up? I do the same thing because it's just so much easier to continue doing what you're doing and type a text message real quick than to have, which you can also drag out a conversation for like 57 text messages that realistically would have been a 30 second phone call true but true. i've gotten to where i don't like talking on the phone anymore and when i was a kid like i remember being on that house phone until the batteries went dead and there's like sweat all over the earpiece on it <laughs> yeah but that's because you're talking to girls that's different that's true too well but it's do you remember when iphone um facetime first came out you were working for freaking at&t at that point so i'm sure and mediacom i keep forgetting AT&T, yeah. AT&T. I remember when it came out. Okay, so you remember how awesome that was and everybody was doing it? Now somebody FaceTimes me without permission, I'm like, what in the hell are you thinking? That is an invasion of my privacy going on. Exactly. No, the craziest <laughs> thing was when I found out somebody could call you on Facebook Messenger. Yeah, I accidentally did that all the time. I'd leave my Messenger app open or something like that, put it in my pocket, hear somebody talking, they're like, you just called me. <laughs> uh, not on purpose. Yeah, or like video chatting you on there. I'm like, what? The first time that it popped up, I was like, I'm not answering that. Like, what is this? If you don't even have my phone number, but you can video chat with me like that, like that was too much for me. Oh, man. I had uh, this one dude that I had worked with in the past. So I had his number in my phone. And then we had a falling out. I did not like the guy personally. It just... Yeah, weren't exactly friends or anything. And then one day we're cleaning up out in the goose field, and I hear somebody talking. I'm like, what the hell? Did I call somebody? I look at my phone, and it's on um, FaceTime. I was like, what in the... And I look at the name, and I was like, it's this dude? Fuck this guy. As he's like, hello, who is this? Pull it up. We look face-to-face, and we're both like, fuck you, motherfucker, and close it off. But yeah, I accidentally... I'm the king of pocket dialing and pocket facetiming see and if i don't have your phone number saved i don't answer it i had i ended up blocking or uh deleting that person's number because alphabetically like i accidentally facetimed i don't know like once or twice a month i don't know how and then when you pull up your facetime it shows your recent facetimes so it just hits the person at the top of the list all the time if you pocket dial yeah, see, and that's, I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm, trust me, I'm not meaning to keep pocket dialing you, I can promise you that. Yeah, see, that's me, I'm keen of, uh, now if, if you send me a text message and I don't have your number saved, then I'll respond immediately. But nowadays, you get so many calls from your warranty on the car, or, or it's just like, I know my phone, it rings nonstop during the day. Oh, God. And, not mine. 98% of it, if I don't know the number, it's some crazy guy yelling that he's going to pray for me if I pay him or want to know about my car's extended warranty. How many different clubs, cards, save club cards are you a part of? 
None. Really? See, my girlfriend yeah. gets those all the time. Span calls all the time. And every single time we go somewhere, the cashier is like, hey, do you, are you part of our blah, blah, blah? I'm like, no. No, I'm not. And then she's like, hold on. We are too part of this club. And I'm like, that's why you get spam calls all the time. Because you put in your phone number. I'm like, I'm not part of their little savey, savey fuck card. Yeah, see, and, that, and that, I'm the same way. Like, I won't sign up for anything. When it, That's the other part that frustrates me. When you go to the store, it's, would you like to say 5% today? I'm like, no, uh-uh. They get offended, too, when you say no. They're like, well, why wouldn't yeah. you? I'm like, because I don't want to. I just want to come and in and get my stuff like, without... I understand you're doing your job and that you have to do this. But oh, yeah. there's yeah. nothing you're going to say that's going to make me sign up for this. Well, that's the thing, is if they just ask me and then we, like, move along because, you know, I go to a gas station up here all the time. And they're like, hey, are you part of this? I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, okay, and they just keep continuing. But, like, it's when the people are like almost off put. They're like, really? Why don't you sign up for it? I'm like, because I just said no. No, thank you. <laughs> and they keep going. And then you're like, why? Why would I want to? Oh, yeah, exactly. I've only had one time. I can't remember where I was. Maybe it was Home Depot or something. They were trying to get me sign up for their credit card. I was like, no, I don't want it. And uh, they kept going. I was like, no, I don't. And they're like, oh, it must be nice to have enough money to not care if you just blow it or something i was like excuse me yeah like, yeah that's okay ridiculous. now we've gone past that line yeah you can just go ahead and keep bringing my stuff up please <laughs> uh-huh and so it's just one of those things like i don't need to explain to you why i don't i'm just telling you i don't <laughs> right well bro well, um sounds like the kiddo is up and running around i think mine are about to be up and running around We've hit about an hour, which is good. That's kind of what our our normal is. Um, I don't know, man. Get up that uh that don't fuck with cats on the Netflix, and let's try to do one of these uh once every couple couple weeks or every week or something like that. I don't know. So we can get back on the roll. I kind of slacked off for quite a while. Yeah, just let me know. I said you know I'm in the shop. 90% of my day anyhow, so yeah, just let man. me know ahead of time, and we'll set up a time and jump on it. The the Corona Chronicles Part 2 coming soon. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's over soon. <laughs> I'm hoping, but uh, now regardless, I'm, I'm hoping some good lasts out of this, so it's not all bad. Yeah, man, I agree. Um, so if people want to get a hold of you, check out you know like where you get your calls and stuff like that. Where would they... Get a hold of you at. To check out what? To check out your calls, fool. What you sell. Oh, I'm only on social media. So I, don't, I did the website thing for literally like one month. Nah, that's a waste it, of money. It, because I don't have an inventory. So like if, if, you if had the I CNC had line? a CNC line, yeah. exactly, then it would make sense. But because I make everything by hand, it, it just... It didn't make sense, and what I found myself doing was just cross-posting the same exact thing on each of them. Um, but on Instagram and Facebook is where, essentially, I post everything. It's Korea Custom Calls on each of those. And that's spelled like Korea, the baseball player, so people don't try to put in Korea like the country. <laughs> yeah, C-O-R-R-E-A, Custom Calls. And you can get on the uh, the two-year wait list for one of the uh, hand-turned fine calls, or you can get on the world champion goose call wait list. So, yeah, I, I tell people, I think I've probably told 50 or 60 people, I won't. The only time I make a custom goose call is when I'm just bored and want to try something. And typically what I'll do is sell it on my page. Because I've told so many people, no, I don't feel right. Get so out of here. Order for one? No, get out of here with that nonsense. Everybody's a whore. Their price just has to be established. <laughs> Somebody came through and offered you a thousand dollars to make a goose call, you wouldn't do it. I would. I yeah, would exactly. Everybody's that, a whore. <laughs> you have a point there. And I'm not but, knocking uh, you for it. I'm not knocking you for it. Get it. Well, and that's why even like with the duck calls, my books have been closed for over a year now. But I still I tell everybody the same thing. I'll put you on my list. I'm just very upfront with how long it may be before you get a call back. Because I never wanted to tell people, my books are closed. 
just keep checking back with me. Yeah, that's I felt that's like no that's good. a Yeah, I, I just feel like that could leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth. Or when they yeah, open it up for like five keep minutes. Bothering you. Exactly. Like if you can't even tell them a ETA of when you may be taking orders again, most people are not going to want to just keep bugging you, especially if you keep telling them no. So I'll, I I have no idea how long my list is right now. I just know it's way out there. But I had probably seven or eight names at least a week to it. Hey, get it while you can. Well, and that's what I said. I don't want to turn people away, but also I'm very honest with how long the wait may be. Yeah, so, as long as as long as you're still having fun doing it, and don't mind turning a couple calls a day, then psh, golden. So when you start having no interest and don't want to get yourself out in the shop, that's where it gets dangerous. And see, and I've been there even here recently, but I've managed to find the fun in it again. And I hope I don't get back to that point where I was near burnout. But uh, doing the doing calls that I want to make. And doing the decorative stuff, that kind of stuff has actually helped a lot with that. Yeah, because you're not just becoming, you know, the Eric Ostevic calls you the duck call CNC or whatever he was calling you. Oh, yeah, he called me a one-man CNC. Yeah, yeah, because that can get old, just doing the same thing over and over, even if it's different material. It's like, it can get old, but uh, just finding ways to reinvent and keep things fun kind of sounds like we were talking about something different, but... Uh, <laughs> can make it interesting and keep you entertained. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. All right, brother. I will let you uh, get back to your business. And like I said, we'll put this up. Um, this should come out later on. Today is Sunday. Um, I don't even know what the date is. It's quarantine days. I've, nobody has a calendar anymore. But, yeah, I have uh, no idea. Yeah, man. We'll, uh, we'll keep trying to do it once a week, once every other week. Sounds good, man. All right, brother. Take care. All right, you too. Later. Thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, like I said, you can check out Channing's Calls on uh, Korea Calls, or Korea Calls, spelled like Korea, and um, follow us on BTBN on Facebook, Instagram. We were going to, uh, I don't know, I was thinking about changing the name, trying to come across different stuff, and you know, I just don't care. Beyond the Blind is my name. Came up with it. Um... So we're just going to keep BTBN, keep on it, and uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I'm going to try to start putting out one, two of these a week and just kind of get back onto it. Um, let us know what you think. Shoot me, Channing, a message, anybody that you've seen on the podcast. Tell them what you think about it, and uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks a lot.